the 12th episode of the Agents of E-Commerce podcast. This week we're talking with Laura Elaine Simpson and our topic is Christmas in July with COVID-19. It is a fairly serious subject and a really incredible time that we're living in right now. But Laura and I are looking ahead at what does that really mean for Christmas this year? What's going to change? Who's going to win? What do you have to do to prepare? A lot's happening. And it's a great conversation. So feel free to listen in to Laura Elaine Simpson and myself. All right, welcome to episode 12 of the Agents of E-Commerce podcast. Today I have Laura Elaine Simpson with me. Uh, Laura is an e-com pro. Uh, we go back actually to 2012 when she was at Office Depot, but she has been with West Marine, Eddie Bauer, uh, Dick Sporting Goods. She has just had a great tenure and some really interesting roles across the, the e-com space. So Laura, why don't you go ahead and say hi and introduce yourself. Hello. Yep. I'm Laura. Thank you for the introduction. And I think uh, you got pretty much everything right. So I appreciate that. And yes, that is my history. And as well as just a little background about me, I started in e-commerce. I was very lucky in uh, 1995 to go to Vanderbilt, which actually started the first e-com program under uh, Donna Hoffman and Tom Novak, started the Sloan, Cell- Sloan Center for Internet Retailing. And so I really started getting a taste for it, and I really enjoy it. And that's kind of how it all began. Awesome. And so you pivoted primarily, and your career has been focusing on customer experience, and as well as analytics as well. How did that sort of happen for you? Well, I began at the beginning. So, (laughs) I mean, literally. So everything kind of grew very organically. I, in undergrad, I got a degree in design. I'm very artistic. My work has been at Corcoran Art Gallery in Washington, D.C., really interesting kind of creative mind. And then the e-com came, and I really got shown it at Vanderbilt in 1995, and it was mosaic back then. It wasn't even the browsers you see now. And I really fell in love with the efficiency of it all. So when I got out of school, I went to L.A. thinking I'm going to go, you know, into this really cool design um, field. And it really just came. People came to me and said, hey, I would rather you start our e-commerce program. So that started with Sports Chalet when they were working with GSI in the beginning and they needed somebody. And it wasn't like you needed anybody with experience because there was nobody with experience. So I had the most experience coming out of Vanderbilt. So Craig Lever grabbed me from Sportulay at the time and said, hey, come work for me. I want to see this website kind of develop. So you learn literally from day one. So I have been in this from day one. And you just move into different areas. You become better at things because you know them. I know what customer experience is because I have seen it from the ground up. Of course, I know digital analytics because nobody wants to work with weblogs like we did in the old days. <laughs> you, yeah, you just end up becoming really knowledgeable about all the pieces. Because when I say I've been in this for 20 years, 20 plus years, I've really been doing this for 20 plus years. So 
Um, I've seen a lot. I've seen the bubble break, you know, all of the things you've seen. And I've, I know what's going to happen almost before you even show me. So That's great. Well, that's why I think you're the perfect person to have on this particular podcast, because what we're living through right now is an unprecedented time with COVID-19. And as the podcast title covers, you know, we're doing Christmas in July. This is the time when retailers and businesses have to start planning if they haven't already seriously looking at what's going to be different this year with the holiday. Uh, no one's ever experienced anything like this. And so therefore the rules are kind of out the window. Uh, and when we talk about this, the level of unpredictability and unprecedentedness, I think that's a word, you know, we're looking at, you know, 75% of people were asked, they're going to avoid malls. 50% uh, we're going to avoid stores in general. So everything that we knew about the black Friday mall rush, it's going to be different. Uh, you know, 6% of global sales traffic, uh, global traffic increased between you know, January and March of 2020. That means online traffic has just risen by an unreal level because of what's happened uh, offline, so to speak. Uh, you know, and that's created unbelievable swings in the retail industry. One stat I saw from the U.S. Census that 17, almost 18% rise in U.S. consumer spending happened in May compared to April. That, that is a ridiculous swing and very hard to plan for and even to understand. So, uh, you know, we're just seeing stats that are just off the charts across the board right now. Uh, one last one uh, that Forrester predicted that the global loss in the retail sector this year will likely hit $2.1 trillion in 2020, with the U.S. drop by about $320 billion. I mean, these are some Big, big numbers, and it's it's had a direct impact as some of our favorite brands, you know, J. Crew, Hertz. Uh, these folks are now uh, going bankrupt. Gold's Gym, Twenty Four Hour Fitness. I mean, obviously, the fitness centers being uh, a germ, <laughs> a germ magnet. You could see what that could happen. But Blue Stem Brands, Neiman Marcus, Pier One. If you like Wicker, you're in trouble. And uh, and True Religion Jeans as well. So there's just it's it's pervasive. But um, I'm interested in your thoughts on on why some of these retailers in particular sort of went down. Well, the ones you named, I think, first weren't strong enough to make it through a bad season, let alone something we have not seen before. They were hurting beforehand, and if you don't have your ducks in a row and really strong, you're not going to make it through this. COVID situation. Um, I watch a lot of Jim Cramer and Mad Money every night. He has a COVID index and he just keeps on saying, if your ducks aren't in a row, if you're not strong, if you don't have the right balance sheet, you're gone. And all of a sudden we stopped an economy and these people needed every dollar to make it every day. So I think that's what really affected them. Um, I don't think it's over. I think there's a lot of retailers that are going to continue to go bankrupt because this isn't over. I think there was some good news and you see kind of markets rally and then they fall back and they rally, then they fall back. And I think what we're seeing is people's hope like, okay, it's over. But if you really read the news and through the lines, it's not over. We're going to hit a second wave. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And we're kind of, I think, a little bit in a honeymoon stage right now, even though it's still as bad as it is. Some people kind of have some feelings that maybe, you know, it's going to be over soon. But I mean, that's the only thing I can 
even think about when it comes to the, you know, the market right now and what's been going on. But um, overall, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what additional, including these retailers, are going to happen. And to another point, what could they have done better? And I think part of it as well is maybe they didn't pivot enough when it came to the online, going online, selling online. I'm not sure. I mean, Pier 1, right, it's Wicker. I've never bought anything on Pier 1. That's probably a problem too. But what could you have done better in a bad situation to pivot your business, to sell product in this new kind of normal that they call it? Exactly. You know, it's about being, I think, agile is a word that comes up or at least being prepared to make some digital transformation that you had been maybe putting off. I think that was a big, big thing I, I tend to see left and right as companies just couldn't get out of their own um, approaches. They, they just really, and it, and it reflects a culture uh, resistant to change, maybe willing to take risks. And those are the companies I think that, that got hurt the hardest because they were so in, entrenched in their own approaches. I think you're exactly right. I think they thought this, okay, this was going to be a one or two month that nobody has ever seen anything like this. I think people kind of rested on, okay, we're going to have a bad month. Okay, we're going to have two bad months. No, you're going to have a few bad years. And if you weren't, I mean, when's the time when we weren't able to go someplace and look at things? When have malls closed for months? When have you been scared to talk to your neighbor? I mean, these things are, what's going on is really insane. You know, you're scared to go on vacations. We've stopped vacationing. We've stopped going and being social. We've stopped going to parties. Fourth of July's coming. I don't even know how that's even going to work. Nobody's going to be going. People are going to lakes and a few places where they can have some social distancing. But we see every time, you know, on the news when a lot of people get together and we're seeing it from the beaches, from Myrtle Beach and other Florida areas where people are getting more COVID. It's going to be a really uh, strange uh, next uh, couple uh, months, if not years. That is true. So, so as we look ahead, right, because the purpose is to say, okay, let's look at Christmas. I mean, what, what is going to be different this year? We talk about Black Friday, uh, you know, 50% of sales in general, right? That's sort of the benchmark for retail happen on Black Friday to Cyber Monday. Uh, what does that mean when you look ahead and, and, and malls, they still matter or they did? Uh, that's, that's an interesting thought and to see where things are going to go this year. Yeah, I'm scared about malls because all those little stores that you went to see go to malls, they're going to be closed. What's I mean, who's gone to a Claire's? I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked up their information, but you know, these little kind of more boutique places that I don't think a lot of people go online and buy stuff. How are they surviving? How are these, the stuff that fills the mall, how without being the anchors that maybe or maybe not going to make it, but how do these little stores make it? So then it becomes less of a destination place. People go to malls because they do it because they enjoy it. People shop because they enjoy shopping. They enjoy the aspect, the social aspect of it, talking to somebody, browsing. Do you need three quarters of the stuff you buy? No. Um, (laughs) No, it's scary. So now people 
have to make a bigger effort, go online or buy online, pick it up in store, Boppus, and really pick up those products. It's not anymore an activity to go out. It's no longer an event to go out and shop because at the end of the day, it could be dangerous. I would say you mentioned uh, Bapis. You know that, that's one of sort of the the key things that have taken off, and obviously it's a necessity now for this concept of touchless uh, transactions. It's become so critical, and the companies that were doing it before took advantage of it because it has a lot of benefits to your in-store sales. Back in the day, when you had in-store sales, you'd pick up something and you may go uh, shop additionally in- internally. Now it's really a, a non-starter for a lot of retailers. Um, so when you look at Bapas, and there are, what are some of the other sort of non-starters, table stakes that, that the retailers are going to have to have and, and be able to take advantage of? Well, I think Bapas is really important because, first of all, there's two, two reasons. If you want something in the next hour or two, you can get it at your Target or in a grocery store now. You can get your food or your Walmart actually brought to your car. And that's a little bit safer. The other thing is, is that these big bulky items people sell, people don't want to pay shipping on. Or they can't afford it if they have to pay shipping. You don't want to spend $150 on shipping of a treadmill or be it a product, and this is maybe where Pier 1 maybe should have thought about things better. Pier 1 should have gone immediately into maybe the uh, shipping business and be like, buy it, we'll get it to you within two hours. I didn't see anything like that. So maybe that's something they should have like pivoted. Mm-hmm. You, you do, you got to think of how you can get that product in the customer's hands. Restaurants, um, they were interesting as well. They uh, also did some kind of boppus, but they started looking at their food supply and being, oh my gosh, we have all these orders and we have all this inventory of frozen food. And local steakhouses and place of that nature were actually emailing their customers locally and you know, saying, hey, you want chicken? We've got chicken for, you know, whatever it is, $10 a pound. It was something You know, you look and restaurants were selling food by the pound, frozen food by the pound, which is a great way of pivoting. I never thought my local steakhouse would be selling their meats by the pound frozen if you want to pick them up. So that was really smart. So I think you, I know you really had to think about how to do things differently and that scares, to your point, that scares businesses mm-hmm. because they're used to doing things the way they've done them. It's always worked in the past, and now it's just not. Yep. And I think you mentioned another uh, in some of our conversations earlier, an area you think is, is super critical is, is where it comes right down to merchandising. Uh, what are the products you're putting forward at this time? They're probably way different than they've been in the past. We saw that immediately. I mean, everybody saw that immediately when COVID happened. That's why you're seeing these gyms go out of business because people put in their own home gyms. Because there's nothing sounds least worse to me than going to a gym right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, people started, I mean, hairdressing, people started doing their own hair. You know, there's a COVID look. It's like dark roots or, you know, gray. I mean, things are, things are different. 
People have adapted and uh, we as humans can adapt. So we did what we needed to do to survive. But unfortunately, if the business didn't fit in that adaptation, it didn't, it's not going to work. And you can't look at, and it's tough. You can't look at year over year what worked as we did in the past. You can't say, well, it's summer. This is what we're going to sell. Now we look at, okay, it's summer. People are stuck in their houses. What are we going to sell? What do people want? What do people not need? What is considered essential? And you really have to focus on those items. And you can't say, well, we sold this much of this you know, type of merchandise last year, so we want to do 10% more this year. You can't do it. You have to really change that marketing and merchandising mix. And you know, everything from top to bottom changes. I think that's very interesting. You mentioned the concept of, you know, comps, year-over-year comps. <laughs> it just, that whole concept, which was such a, a foundational metric that was used to steer decisioning, is gone. Uh, what, what are some things that you see taking place of that in today's analysis? I think people are looking at week-over-week comps. I think you really need to look and do your homework of what is working. You know, what are consumers spending their money on? It's not something you can look in your history. Maybe you might want to go to 2008, last time recession. What did people buy? But you also have these other parameters that people aren't engaging with each other. Um, You've seen online products sell much better because you can't get COVID off your computer, at least not yet. That would be scary. But, um, you know, what is essential what do people need if, you know, they're doing their own, you know, fitness, maybe, you know, they're running more, maybe they need more running shoes, but they probably don't need all of the team sports products because nobody's allowed to go to sporting events. I think finally they opened up some baseball yesterday, but how long is that going to last until somebody has something, somebody gets mm-hmm. sick and then, everything gets shut down. We just don't know. I mean, all contact sports are pretty scary. We're seeing, you know, people are changing their activities to more things that maybe don't have as much contact like golf or something where, you know, in swimming, maybe a little bit, I don't think it passes through water, but I don't really know. I mean, what are things that you can do safely and what are those items you need to do those things safely. Do you need the new iPhone to come out? Well, a lot of people like to show off their iPhone. They're not showing anything off anymore. So what are those brands or those luxury brands that you like saying, hey, look, I have this really nice thing. Well, if you're not showing it off, what's the reason to buy it? That's an interesting point about luxury brands because we're not seeing those or they're taking a huge hit. And I had thought it because of the economic spending ability of people to buy them. But actually, what it may be, to your point, is people can't, um, people, people can't show don't off. have the need. Yeah, to show off. Oh, I think there's definitely something about that. Um, I think we're going to see that in some technology. I mean, you know, my son was talking about it today. He's like, Mom, we don't need the new iPhone. 
It's not like I can bring it to school and somebody sees it. I was like, oh, goodness. Really? <laughs> wow. Well, he's right. <laughs> How many things do you really buy because you want to look good to somebody else? We all are now used to not wearing, I mean, makeup. What has happened to makeup during COVID? How many people are wearing as much makeup as they did in the past? I'm using way less, I have to be honest. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> but you see people now and you see them on Zoom or you're having meetings or you're you know, seeing your neighbors. None of us have makeup on either or very little. So what's happening? I mean, even if you're cutting down your makeup 25%, what does that do to the beauty industry? So all of these things are changing. And then, you know, how does the beauty industry then pivot? Um, maybe make something. I was trying to look to see how I could do my hair without going to the salon. And I didn't really have anything good that I saw at, you know, the drug stores you can go to. So, or, you know, ultra beauty. And I just really don't want to be sitting there with somebody cutting my hair at this point. I'm not comfortable yet there. Um, and I know some people are, and I think that's great, but I know I'm not the only one. So mm-hmm. do it yourself. Things I think are going to be really big in the next year or two. That's an interesting way to look at things. I know me as a, um, as a bald guy, you know, I feel like I'm finally getting the upper hand here in this whole, uh, hair situation, but, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, w- one thing that, you know, we were thinking about discussing uh, at a different point was the concept of returns. Uh, you know, you, you said you saw some interesting things happening with that uh, on the trends when you most recently uh, online. Right. Right. We really started, well, people don't know how to return things right now. Um, sure. They can return things online and people got used to doing that. Or people would go to Kohl's and return their Amazon products. I don't know how much of that was happening anymore. But things have changed. Or if you buy online, you know, Bapas again, or pick up in store, how do you know how to return that item? And do you want to have that additional exposure to return items? So we've seen, you know, just returns in general um, going down. Um now, that might also be that people are being more cautious with their money, so they're only buying more essential items that they're less likely to return. Again, they're not going to the mall, browsing, buying a few hundred dollars worth of items, buying stuff for other people, and then coming home and saying, okay, this isn't working, and then kind of making it again into that social aspect of shopping and returning things. So. I think there's a little bit of that as well. So it's going to be interesting with turns, especially going into like what we're going to talk about Christmas and what's going to be happening here, you know, because as you said, people need to start getting ready for the holiday. Now this is when retailers do it and what's really going to happen. I mean, with the merchandising spending, you know, do you have the right assortment? Do you have the right products? The right products last year are not going to be the right products this year. What is considered essential? What are people really going to want? Is this when your kids who couldn't afford their home gyms that your parents could during COVID are going to say, hey, I want this new treadmill. Hey, I want this new whatever this product is. I want more dumbbells. Probably. Um, 
Is it going to be something where they want to show off the new, you know, apparel fashion brands? Maybe not unless they're functional. Um, you know, it's kind of like, what would you bring with you? You could pack, you know, a car and bring it to a desert island. Maybe. What are those essential items? And you really got to start thinking that way. The other aspect that might be interesting is that because we're not going to be doing a lot of, you know, office parties, I don't know if we'll be in the office as much as we were in the past. We're not going to be meeting up with family as much as in the past. Gift gifting in general, I think, is going to decrease substantially. Because if you don't see the person, are you going to buy them all the gifts that you normally do? Maybe not as much. Um, and then before Christmas, we have Thanksgiving. Now, if people get together, what's going to happen then? I mean, are we going to have a new surge? And I think we are during the holidays. I think we're going to see people trying to get together for the holidays. That you know, Thanksgiving's important to us as Americans. We love being together. And then, bam, two weeks later, a lot of people are going to be sick again, especially since this is also in the winter. And, you know, we all know that there'll be flu season. So what's going to happen? So I think retailers really just need to prepare right now what that's going to what what is that going to look like for them? Mm -hmm. What are some of the steps do you think are going to be different this year regarding that preparation? I think knowing where your inventory is coming from and making sure your inventory is in balance. First of all, make sure you have the products you need that you think are likely going to sell. Make sure you know where those products are coming from. Where are those, you know, what is that distribution? Where's the um, operations? Where is that product? Is it all coming from China? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it should be coming from more like, you know, Korea, Taiwan, India, other areas. Don't kind of put, I don't think I'd want to put all my eggs in one basket. Because as we know, one area could, we could shut something down and say, yep, we're not importing anything from China from now on. What does that do to businesses? I mean, that could happen. So I think you really got to know your operations. You really got to know your logistics and you really got to be prepared to pivot fast. So you've got to have all your ducks in a row and make sure that you know or are prepared or what could happen. Yeah. I think you, that, that concept of agility that we mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's going to have to become second nature for a lot of these companies if they're going to survive with the potential of disruptions in the supply chain, as well as the, this change in demand that's happening. Uh, another thing that, that we all expect coming around holidays is discounting. You know, what, what do you see happening with that this year? Well, I think you're going to get a lot of good deals because everybody's holding on to inventory. They were not able to expunge. So there's going to be a lot of discounting. And then the other thing I see is that the retailers that are still holding on but maybe aren't doing great are going to really discount. They're going to want those dollars in their pockets. So it's going to bring everybody to really low levels. It's going to be a lot of um, really good deals out there. Is Christmas. The problem is people still may not want them. Um, I've been in uh, outdoor apparel for a long time, and I can tell you, sometimes you just can't sell stuff, no matter how cheap it is. So 
it'll be interesting to see what consumer preferences are and what they're willing to buy and what is considered, again, deemed necessary. So those are the things I think you can make a little more margin on. But there's going to be a lot of kind of what I call moldy inventory, stuff that's been around for a long time. I think what's really going to be important is not only the selling of the product and making sure you have great customer experience through the channel that they purchase from, but also the last mile. What is that going to look like? Customers are going to expect a lot more because they're also scared. They also don't have as much money as they had last year. They also are in a very, I mean, the whole economy is going to change the way they feel. They have new fears. They have stress. So it's going to have to be a really good experience. The customer support, the customer service is going to have to be top notch. Not only buying that product, but getting it into a house, making sure they're using it properly and making it as seamless and frictionless as possible. So in tight of all of the things with the logistics and the operations we talked about, they're also going to have to win on customer service and really uh, customer experience and making sure the customer is happy they bought that product. Well, that should be easy. Not, not too tall in order. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see who competes. But again, you know, like anything else, there's going to be winners and losers. Uh, there, there's definitely been some winners already uh, and losers. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the winners, I mean, you look at the Costco's, obviously a winner. Great, great concept right now. They are really great with COVID. And then you have some other winners out there. I think the question you need to ask yourself is what's your Christmas as a retailer? If your Christmas is the standard Black Friday through Christmas season, you're going to be in trouble. You are. I don't know. It's not going to be a good year for you. I don't know what it's going to be precisely, but I don't see this as being a fantastic year for a lot of customers. Maybe some niche products, but um, now if your Christmas, if you do something different, if you're a part supplier for boats or cars or something of that nature, you know, your Christmas is a little different. Um, maybe those stimulus checks are more of your Christmas or maybe, you know, you know, if you're buying a car, buying a used car is, you know, is the tax season. Is that your Christmas? Those are the retailers are going to be in a lot better shape. And a lot of those retailers were considered essential. So they didn't ever go out of, you know, get their doors closed anyway. So they didn't deal with the issues that a lot of these retailers that did have to close up are dealing with trying to, with all this inventory, they were still able to be considered essential. So I think it's kind of a mix there of what is really, uh, what's really going to be the bottom line for how your customers purchase products and how do you become less relying on Christmas? And I think retailers are going to have to say, and they need to say it now, if this, if my sales are down 30% or 40%, my gosh, it's terrible. What would I have to do to survive? And I think they need to know that answer now. They need to figure it out. Oh, yeah. Just the, the, they're in survival mode right now. They have to be thinking that way. It's not going to be the great year. It just has to be a year you, you deal with and get through. Yeah. Right now, they need to think of how are they going to survive? 
with those less sales. Now, all of that gets really scary because it's going to be really hard because they work efficiently anyway. So how do you squeeze more juice out of that lemon? You've just, again, we talked about it being agile, making sure you have the right mix, the right time with the right customer service, with the right customer experience. And the other thing I think we're going to see, and this is going to be really sad, is I think we're going to see a whole new in January when all of this kind of plays out, and it's not going to be pretty. I don't see in any way, shape, or form this holiday season being a good holiday season for maybe 90% of the retailers. So There's going to be 10% that do great because they're COVID you know, friendly, if you could say that. But then we're going to see after that, I think we're going to see a lot of layoffs again in January. And then how is that going to continue to kind of spiral the economy? Yep, it is a pretty bleak picture for those of us that that are sort of realists out there. I know that there's some positivity in the market and we see these spikes, which seem sort of detached from reality. They're more tied into the, the Fed's money policy. But when it comes down to the actual real world of what we're, we're seeing, yeah, it's it's not looking exciting. But I think it does mean that, that we're going to see some interesting creative minds put to work and trying to solve some of these challenges for, for the retailers out there. So, uh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. It already has been. You know, I feel for, for everyone out there who's suffering. And uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. Well, you know, Laura, um, any, any last words here regarding things you, you want to uh, put out there to the folks and the retailers that, that, that are be listening? I really hope that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But I haven't been wrong yet on kind of what I've seen happening. And I just, I knew the second wave was coming. I saw it. I just really think this holiday season's just going to be really strange for people. You know, the gift gifting I think is going to be down. It could be down 20% or more. You know, what is all of this? Just, I would write down if I was a retailer, all the threats that could be happening and what could they do to kind of mitigate those threats and still understand it's still going to be bad. Um, I, again, I'm hope I'm wrong. And um, really what can they do outside the box and talk to your, you know, and talk to your employees, let people really sound off and really accept those new ideas. Really listen to your employees. Don't make it weird. Um, understand that, you know, nobody's an expert right now because nobody's seen this. So, you know, really think and talk to your smart people and see what you can do to make this a little bit better. That's a great point to leave on. Let's see what these employees can come up with, folks. Let's use that collective mind and, and work ourselves out of this. Well, well, thank you very much, Laura. And if folks want to get in touch with her, you can reach her at Simpson, S-Y-M-P-S-O-N, at gmail.com. And thanks, for everyone, for listening in. And uh, we'll be back pretty shortly with Episode 13. Thanks.